Welcome everybody. My name is George Rolston. I'm the founder of Subi.com and today we have an interview I've very much been looking forward to hosting and one I'm sure a lot of our listeners are very excited about. This is Subi's first ever podcast and we decided to start with the very best. Most of our listeners will be aware of who Mark Minivini is, but for those that are not, here is a little bit of background. Mark has been trading for over 35 years and is one of America's most successful stock traders. Mark won the US Investing Championship in 1997 and in a five and a half year period generated 220% average annual return with only one losing quarter. For those listeners who like the maths, I'll let you work out what those returns would have compounded to. Mark founded an institutional research firm and in 2006 launched his private access website. He has written two books, which are must-reads for any trader, and is working on a third, and has been featured in the famous Market Wizards and Momentum Masters. Mark has been a mentor of mine for over six years. I've attended his trading workshops multiple times and and am a member of his private access product. Mark has been instrumental in my trading development and has shared his 35 years plus of experience in his books, conferences, and private access community. If you want to learn to trade or you'd like to keep improving, I would highly recommend these opportunities. Subi will be taking three of our members over the train with Mark and David Ryan, another stock market legend, in October in their Super Performance Conference. So after all that, welcome, Mark. Good to be here. Uh, I know we all really appreciate your time. So I thought we'd just jump into some questions. Um, Firstly, I guess, let's just start going back to a 19-year-old Mark Minivini in his second year of trading. What would be a few bits of advice you could uh, you would provide from today's Mark? Well, you know, I think the main thing is to, you know, be committed to something that you, uh, you're going to stick with and you're going to see it through because I think that's probably one of my strengths is that I've really have an unconditional persistence and I was really hell-bent on mastering one thing and sticking with a particular style and strategy. So it took me a number of years before I even became profitable. It was about six years before I even started getting any kind of real profitable trading. So it was a long time. It took a lot to get through that. But again, my my willingness to be committed and to persist uh, you know, really was the key. Um, as far as, you know, anything, if I would have done anything different, um, probably just would have been a little bit more open-minded at that particular time. But, uh, you know, of course, uh, everybody's got to learn lessons. Sometimes uh, you got to learn uh, the uh, the hard knocks route a little bit, uh, regardless of where you start. <laughs> and so, I guess what allowed you to keep pushing and and why do you think so many traders fail or would have quit at year four of the example you've just given? Yeah, I I think it's because most people go into, and I think more so than ever, um, people want things now. You know, we're in a very quick world now where you're getting a lot of uh, instant gratification. So I think having the expectation uh, um, that's maybe higher than what it is in reality and thinking that you're going to do really great, you know, in, in maybe, you know, a few months or even a few years is probably unrealistic. So to go into it with an expectation that, you know, this is a process, it's going to take time and I got to build on that and I've got to learn. And it's the same thing. I mean, if you went to college, 
you know, you, you wouldn't expect to go to medical school and and start operating on patients in the real world six months later. But that's precisely what people do when they go in the market. They you know, they go in the stock market, they open an account, and then they're surprised and upset that they're not doing really well a year down the road when, in fact, just like any profession, it takes takes years, if not even some, for some people, a decade before they get to that point. So, but you'll, you know, people will go to university and put eight years in, 12 years to become a doctor to get a paycheck, but uh, then they, they don't want to put that kind of time into uh, learning how to trade, but that's the commitment that you need. Okay. Um, one of the, the greatest aspects I, I learned from you was time in the market and on average, how much of the year one can be invested um, and how they move from low levels ex- of exposure to, to high levels of exposure and what tells them to do that. Are you able to touch on that? And, and I know you give examples in, in your training um, of some of your bigger return years and, and how little you were actually invested in the market in order to generate them. Well, when you say you know not invested much in the market, if you were to average it out over the years because of the times that I'm in cash – or maybe partially invested, it would average being out of the market, and you know, a, a good portion of the time, or at least on a percentage basis, I've averaged where I had about fifty percent cash um, throughout that period. But there's times where I was, you know, extremely active and very heavy in the market. But they come at opportune times. So, big part of trading is being able to what I call develop sit-out power, you know, the, the ability to sit on your hands and to wait for an opportunity. It's no different than, you know, a, a baseball player that is waiting and looking at pitches. And sometimes, you know, a few pitches come across the plate and, you know, they look at it. They, usually they look at the first pitch and they want it, they want it, you know, take a look, it's called. And the, the I guess the pitcher knows that. So they throw a strike right down the center. A lot of times a, a batter will take a strike first. So, you know, you're, you're taking a look and um, waiting for that pitch to come across the plate. Uh, but people are so anxious to get started and to, to make that money. They start forgetting about that there's actually risk involved. So, so I'm always looking at it from, you know, risk first and uh, always respecting that risk and trying to only enter the market when there's a very, very high probability opportune time. Now, I might even trade the market a lot throughout the year, but I might be doing it with very small positions and sort of just putting my toe in the water to keep my finger on the pulse. But when I'm actually getting very aggressive and putting a lot of risk on are at those those uh, you know intermittent opportune moments, and that's when you can you make you make your biggest part of your return, and that's where the rest of it is all just uh, riding the brake and treading water most of the time. Okay, thanks for that. And so the the importance of I guess keeping track of your trading record and and understanding your average gain and loss, position size, uh, and win loss ratio is is huge. And when did you start applying that? I guess correctly into your own. Um, your own trading and, and how important do you think that is for other traders to start doing as soon as possible? Well, that happens sort of in three steps, and what hap- And I'll tell you the sort of the chronology of that and how I got to where now. I'm very, very critical of looking at my numbers and knowing exactly uh, what's going on with my trading mathematically. But it started off like everybody. I started with no rules <laughs> and um, and not really looking at you know, what I'm doing, knowing 
what, what's going on in my trading. So then, um, I, you know, I got, I didn't get very good results and that made me even more not want to look at the results because they weren't that good. So you put your head in the sand you don't want to look at those losers. But finally I got kind of fed up and I said, I heard, I heard a lot about loss cutting and that uh, you had to manage the risk. And every now and then I'd have a stock that would blow up. So what I did was I said, let me just take a look and see if I had cut my losses at, say, an arbitrary 10%, would that have done anything? Would that have changed my my results? And the the, cha- the results that it would have I would have had if I had done that were astonishing. There was such a huge uh, difference. So I started tracking my numbers and started thinking to myself, okay, well, let me find out what's going on here and find out what that, uh, maybe that optimal number might be. And I started studying futures traders and, and, um, and how not just stock traders, but speculators in futures markets and other areas were approaching things. And I started adding the math into it. And then when I really dialed that in, I, I, I realized that I was, you know, I was taking losses that were way bigger than I could afford mathematically. Um, and that, that's sort of how it all started. <clears throat> and then I started developing spreadsheets and putting my numbers in there and getting really forensic about it. And now, of course, you know, we, uh, um, you know, I, we do that on a regular basis and there's teach everybody around the world how to do that. As, um, as Bob, who works with Mark, would say that's probably a, a golden nugget bit of information, and it certainly is one that that helped change my trading round because it, it really is keeping those losses small is just so paramount to healthy, to a healthy mindset as well. So moving on from that, in a scenario where you you have been trading very well, um, all of a sudden the market feels extended, um, something's not right in your gut, but the rules really aren't taking taking you out of your trades. Um, how are you managing uh, that at that exact time? And, and probably a good example would have been a week or two ago in, in the US markets. Yeah. So when things aren't working, um, you know, first of all, if you if you are, you know, using those stops that we were just talking about and managing that risk, uh, you know, you should your stops are going to start getting hit. Of course, things aren't working. You're going to have stops being hit, and as as that happens. Um, you've got to see if, you know, maybe your, your stops are too tight. Uh, if you get, if you get uh, shaken out of some positions, um, you have to analyze what's going on. If you're choking off the trades, if not, and you're placing the trades at a very low risk entry point and your criteria is sound, then it can only be the market. The market just isn't right at that particular time. And when I say the market, I think right now is a really good, uh, example because you see the, um, indexes you know the dow and some of these indexes are near all-time highs or or near new highs but right now we're not seeing a whole lot of stocks now that could change in a few days or in a few weeks but i'm not really super active right now Um, and that's because i define the market as the individual stocks in the universe that i'm following not not the dow or the russell Uh, so i would make an adjustment you know i'm going to tone down my activity now when things are working I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to ramp up my activity. I'm going to get more exposure. I'm going to have probably bigger positions or more concentration. And it's just a matter of bending, bending with the wind. So, you know, I always say I'm a, I'm a caboose and the market is the, uh, is the engine and I just sort of follow it. Sometimes that's going to get you, you know, whipped in and out and you'll sell and then the stock goes up and you buy and the stock goes down. But 
in the long run, you'll you'll do much better off because you'll be involved in the big moves, and those little moves might knock you around a bit, but your losses are small, and that's the key. The main thing is to, you know, you just can't get yourself in a big hole because it's very hard to dig out, and then even all that time when you're digging out, you're just working to get back to even, and you're you're really not compounding the you know, compounding your money. And in the example that everything is working well, but you you fear something sinister maybe on the horizon. What what's a good tactic to do there? Because I find a lot of the people we work with, they might be up, you know, five or ten percent on a few positions, and they're reading headlines and think a crash is coming or, or something's going to happen. What's a process that that you put yourself through in order to to override, I guess, your own your own thought process, which isn't validated by the price action? Yeah, well, that's probably the toughest thing. You know, even if you have a system, even a mechanical system, let's say, let's just say you have some kind of system that uh, relies on moving average crossovers or some type of some type of mechanical trigger that tells you exactly when to buy or sell. You still have to follow the signals, and we found that most people, uh, upward of you know nine out of ten people don't follow signals of even a good strategy. So it's of no use to have a, a, a sound strategy if you're not disciplined to follow it. So you've got to work on, you know, it's the same thing as if somebody trains in the military and they train f- for going into Afghanistan and going into a fight. And then when they get there, you got to trust your training. You know, you've got to do what you've practiced and you've got to trust it. If you don't trust it, and you have to realize also there's times where it's not going to work perfectly and you're going to have a plan for that too. So it's all a matter of planning for as many events as you can, contingency planning, planning for as many things that you can, and then realizing that you know part of your planning and part of the, of the system and the process is going to be having failures, short-term failures, setbacks. But you're going to deal with those. So as long as you're prepared to deal with all the various, you know, uh, things that could be thrown at you, you really shouldn't be worrying too much. If you're really that worried about it, you're probably trading too large. Usually, we call it sell down to the sleeping point or the pillow factor. You, you know, you you want to trade at a level, uh, whether it's position sizing or overall exposure, that you can sleep at night. I mean, if you're not able to sleep at night and you're worrying so much, you're probably trading too aggressively, too much. And if you trade smaller. And you start to see that how things work, that will give you the confidence to trade larger. You know, I always say small decisions lead to big decisions. Little successes lead to big successes. So you got to build on that. When you start off, you know, nobody starts off singing at Carnegie Hall. You know, everybody everybody starts in a smaller venue. So it, it's no different with, with trading. I know you're writing a book now about mental states. Um, it's something I spend a bit of time studying. So let's say a trader who who likes a lot of action, um, you know, likes to trade a lot. Do they change their trading style to to follow someone like yourself, or do they learn um, certain aspects and attitudes and disciplines and take that understanding and then reconstruct that into their own trading persona? Well, everybody's got a different personality. Some people like more action than others. Some people. Uh, you know, I, I one time managed money, uh, private money, and we we're getting 40 to 60 percent a year returns for several years. And we had some uh, clients that would call up and say, we want, we want you to stop this. And they say, why? We're, <laughs> we're getting you great returns. So we just can't handle all the confirmations coming in the mail. 
They didn't even like the fact that they had all the <laughs> they didn't, we're making them hundreds of thousands of dollars and they don't like the confirmations coming in the mail. So, you know, I mean that I can't really relate to that. I would have I would have been happy to get those confirmations in the mail, but but that's a true story. So, um, you know, people are motivated in different ways and some people can't really sit on their hands very long. They, they have a hard time with that. Of course, you could work on cre- creating that discipline, but you might naturally be someone who want, likes the action. And then there's other people that don't like action at all. Uh, they're more you know, uh, uh, geared towards a longer term type of strategy. Either way, you're going to get the same type of emotional pressure put on you. I don't care whether you're, what your personality is. Stock trading is going to give you, whether it's long-term investing or short-term trading, Some point, at some point you have to make decisions that are the exact same decisions. You have to sell, take profits, take losses, make decisions to buy. You, know, you have to make uh, difficult decisions. So I would say, you know, if you really, really love action, you should go to Vegas and have fun and and uh, and forget about trading. But <laughs> if you're more uh, likely to be someone who wants to have a, a do a lot of work in the market and you love the, the action, uh, you're probably going to want to be shorter term oriented. You know, and maybe maybe even be a day trader, and that can take uh, you know you can have the action and take some of the risk off because you won't go overnight with any positions. And after such a long period of success in the markets and being consistently profitable, what still drives and brings you to the market every day with with such focus? Well, you know, it's it's almost like you know playing golf, where you know you'll never shoot an, an eighteen. So there's it's you can always do better. You could always grow your account. You could always find the next stock. But in all honesty, you know. Writing books and uh, and and coaching and and which I never realized was going to turn into what it's turned into um, has really given me sort of a renewed passion. Um, so and seeing other people doing this and succeeding is really is is really uh, quite rewarding. And and like I said, more than I ever really imagined. And um, you know, I think that. I think that my calling, really, my ultimate calling was to uh, do all this, to be able to t- inspire other people. So that's sort of what I'm I'm going with now. But uh, I still trade every day, and, and I'm not sure if I'm ever going to stop trading. Um, so it's just something that I've been doing so long, you know, that and when I first started, I loved it. I probably would have traded if I just you know, kept losing money. <laughs> I would have probably kept finding money to put in the market, even if I was a losing trader, because I I enjoyed it and I had such the hope of getting rich and being a successful trader. But now that you know, I've I've made the money and I I, I don't really have to do it. Yeah, you might think that it's harder to motivate yourself, but re- it's really not. It's it's sort of like it's my life. It's a lifestyle uh, habit that I've formed. If I don't trade, it's like something's missing. So. Um, yeah, especially if I'm not watching the market. I mean, I watch the market every day if I'm not in the market. So it didn't matter. It doesn't matter if I have positions on or not. I've been watching the market every day, you know, for three decades. Um, I, I have I've barely missed a single trading day in in 30 years. I mean, I, even when I was very sick, my mother was uh, got cancer. She had brain cancer, and she was on her deathbed. And I was I had my laptop right by her. I slept on a cot by her bed for two weeks. While she was uh, in a coma, and I traded right near, next to her bed. <laughs> I mean, it's a true story. It's kind, it's kind of crazy, but um, you know, I, I had clients too, so I had to. Uh, on, on top of it, I had institutional clients at the time, 
uh, in New York and uh, was advising some of the big institutions. So I had a lot of responsibility, but but I didn't use it as an excuse to uh, you know to walk away from my business or my my personal trading. And you touched on this on your last um, private access webinar. Is there any risk that everyone started using, you know, a Mark Minivini approach or or using VCPs, and would that potentially alter um, the the likelihood of of success of the trade? Well, theoretically, you know, if everybody started using a particular method, it it could diminish the uh, the usefulness of it uh, or the effectiveness, but. Um, the answer is absolutely not for for a few reasons. First of all, everybody's not going to do it. You'd be surprised there if you know. This is something that you know. Jesse Livermore wrote a book in the 1930s. You know, divulging what he was doing. You know, these are people that I, of course, uh, followed. Love uh, in the 70s, O'Neill in the 80s. Um, you know, other guys in the 90s and so forth, and myself in the 90s and. 2000. So it's, I'm not the first one to be revealing successful methods. Um, the, the fact is, is that when it really comes down to it, I could tell everybody in the world what I'm doing, but there's only a small handful of people that are even interested. There's only a small full of handful of people that even believe it. There's only a small full a handful of people that believe in themselves. And there's a very, very, very tiny handful of people that have the discipline to actually use it because it's not like it's some magic wand that you just wave. I mean, yeah, if you could just wave a magic wand, yeah, everybody would use it, but it actually takes work. It, it's no different than going to work in any other profession. So it's not like it's this magic, magic thing that just works all by itself. So, and, 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 and it takes more work than most jobs. <laughs> it takes more belief than most jobs. It takes more commitment than most jobs. And you don't go. We you know when somebody goes to work and they're working, whether they're making hamburgers, uh, building a house, or going a, into a doctor's office as a physician. I mean, just imagine if you, you know, if you made a hamburger wrong at McDonald's, they took a hundred dollars out of your pay. Or if you, you may, you know, you you uh, uh, you you uh, lost a patient. You were a surgeon. You lost a patient, and then they 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 find you a million dollars. You know, you, there wouldn't be too many people doing those professions. But that's precisely what happens in the market. When you make a mistake, you pay for it. So it's not the most, uh, you know, it's not the most appetizing thing to a lot of people to take risk and to, and to do that. So, and the other thing too, is that, and this is the really important thing. It's not the, it's not the cause, it's the effect. Like the stuff that I'm, pointing out as far as chart patterns, as far as looking at earnings and sales and the growth models, these are not the cause of why a stock goes up. Uh, uh, it, it's the effect. You're, all I'm doing is pointing out what certain a, a certain situation is going to produce. It's not the other way around. People think, oh, well, if everybody started buying the, you know, the uh, cup with handle or the, in my case, you know, my, uh, signature vcp or or cheat pattern uh you know everybody would be doing it, it would make it, it would invalidate it well it's happening because of a much larger force uh than everybody looking at the technicals that's after the fact so it's these are timeless principles they're not going to change they've been around since the beginning of speculation and they're going to be here long after all of us are gone so i wouldn't worry about that <laughs> And you mentioned a couple of times belief um, then, 
And how important is that, especially, well, I guess for any trader, but especially for a, someone who's who's starting their career or trying to move into full time and, and they get knocked around a bit, as you said, that's, it can be an expensive education. What sort of bits of advice would you give to them um, to, to back themselves and, and to sort of keep plugging away at it? Well, this is something that I write about in this new book that I'm working on. It's one of the a, a big principle of commitment and persistence, and that's expectancy. You know, again, usually what happens is when you quit something and you give up is because your expectation wasn't met. So it all has to do with how you manage your expectation. So you have to realize going into it that it's going to take a lot of work. You're going to have setbacks. And by doing that, that allows you and and makes you get focused on techniques and ways to deal with that stuff. So then when it happens, you're prepared to deal with it. You're prepared mentally that it, that it's going to happen. It doesn't surprise you. And you build the skill to be able to take those setbacks and turn them into opportunities. So it's all about expectancy and being prepared. And you, you have to go into it with the right expectations to begin with. And like I said, many people go into this thinking, it's going to be much easier than it is. And the problem is, is that in some markets, it is. Some markets, they just it's just like uh, picking money off of a tree. And that's the worst thing that can happen. You come into the market and you make money real easy. You go, wow, this is easy. I don't have to really do anything here. I just throw all my money in here. Let me go and get more money. And next thing you know, you, know, you're, uh, you, you don't have any rules and you're down 50 or 60%. And then you realize uh, you know, how it's, it's not that easy. That's a great answer. Thanks, Mark. Um, and final question, any words of advice for achieving longevity in the markets? Well, you know, hopefully you find a good, you know, a, a good coach or a good uh, way to move forward um, and you're you're getting the right information. There's a lot of information out there today. You know, it's information overload. So when you go into onto the internet, you can get all kinds of uh, guidance, but you know, most of it's not very good. Or and and it's certainly not usually from uh, you know, a lot of the information isn't from somebody who's been there and been to the top and seen the vistas. So you know, that's the first thing I've always went and found in anything that I've done, sports, photography, trading, I always went and found the best in the business and then I emulated them. And then once I could do what they're doing and, and get similar results, only then did I decide that I would then maybe branch off and start to uh, push the envelope with maybe my own ideas and try to improve upon it. But I to improve upon something, first, you got to be able to do the first thing. So that's number one. And, I, and I'll say that, you know, my way is not the only way. There's, there's other people out there. There's, there's people out there doing things that are completely the opposite of what I do or, com- or completely different than what I do, and they're doing great. So it's not the only way. The important thing is that whatever way that you go with, that you commit to it, hopefully it's, it's something that has an edge and is sound, but uh, you got to commit to it. And it needs to make sense to you because you got to believe in it to get through the tough times. So it's real important that you, uh, you, you, you believe in what you're doing and you make a firm commitment to it. Great. Well, Mark, I thank you for your time today. I know our SUBI members will get a huge amount out of this and really appreciate everything you've done to, to help me and so many other traders out there. Um, look forward to catching up with you in October and bringing over some of our our team to learn alongside Bob, David and yourself 
So thanks for your time, Mark. Oh, yeah, no problem. I'll look forward to seeing you. It's going to be awesome. And uh, thanks for having me. I hope it's been helpful. 